This morning, I want to talk about something. Alan said we can't say COVID anymore in the service, but I want to break that rule. I'm sort of teasing, but I want to break that rule one more time. You know, people hear about it so much, they don't want to hear about it anymore. You know, they are just tired of the word. And, you know, I, I teach a lot that seasons change and seasons don't last forever. But, man, this feels like it's lasted forever. It feels like it's lasted forever. On March 15th, it was before any shutdowns. And my son had been calling me for like 10 or 12 days. Mom, uh, he's a pilot and he's the head of uh, aviation for Chevron Houston. And he goes, Mom, look, I've been flying around. Something's going on. You need to stock up on groceries. And I think you need to get them now because I think we're going to have something's going to happen. You and dad might not, you know, be able to come out. And I'm like, this is crazy. And and he kept going, Mom, go to Costco and get some groceries. And, and so I stocked up, and then, then I would tell Alan what Paul Michael said, and Alan would go, that's enough, that's enough updates. So one of them texted me every minute, and one of them said, quit texting me. And, um, and I stocked up, and little did I know when I taught on mixed messages, because we'd been getting them all week, that we were going to actually be shut down the next day and get mixed messages all year. All year, we've been getting mixed messages. And in 1976, no, 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 wrong year, wrong decade, in 17, wrong century, in 1776, in December, same month we're in, Thomas Paine said, these are the times that try men's souls. These are the times that try men's souls. This is a year (laughs) that we can say, this is a time that has tried our souls. So what can we say about 2020? You know, people in their Facebook memories, it's popping up in December last year. Wow, can't wait for 2020. Going to be great. And some of them are going, not, you know, like, it's like it was not what we bargained for. It was not what we were prepared for. It was not what we thought. And so uniquely, I've read on Facebook in the last several months, some glowing reports, though, glowing And people go, during this time of shutdown, my life has been so wonderful. I've had time with my family, and we've had our families grown closer than ever. And then others say, you know, I had extra time. I learned guitar. I worked on some songwriting that I'd had to put to the side. Someone else says, I've never heard God's voice so clearly as this year. And I thought, "Uh, that's not my testimony. (laughs) Like, that's not me. More power to you. I'm really happy for you. But... I can't say that. When we shut down, I had just started having, you know, my body doesn't always line up with the way I feel in my heart nowadays, you know? I remember seeing older people and they would go, oh, and I'm like, what's wrong with them? They're always complaining. And, and now that I'm older, I have much more mercy on, on that whole thing. And um, I started having this little pain in my back and I went to the doctor and he gave me a shot and it felt better, but then we had shut down. So I could, he shut down. I couldn't go get the shot to make my pain feel better. So during COVID, the whole shutdown, I was cooking three times a day. That is not my norm. I mean, it would be like I'd finish the breakfast dishes, and I'd look at Easy, and I'd go, oh, my God, is it time to eat again? And then we'd start all over with my, you know, food that I'd stocked up on. And I, had, I, I felt like I would, I'd, my hands had never been in dishwater so much. But at the meantime, like, my back was killing me, and this pain would shoot down my leg, sciatica, and people were sending me stretches, and every stretch I do would make it hurt worse. And, and the doctor I went to was closed. And, I mean, it was, I was pained. I was cooking, which I don't which is a pain. Uh, 
Easy was home all the time. We, we, nobody, we couldn't leave the house. They decided we were in the high-risk category, and, and Easy was in the highest-risk category. And so we couldn't leave. We couldn't see anybody. Everything we love, we couldn't do. We couldn't have church. We couldn't sing, you know, unless it was to each other. And really, you wouldn't want to hear that. And, and so I'm like, this is the pits. You know, like, I don't like this. And so my testimony was not some of these things I've read. And so I've seen on Google that some of the most Googled phrases during this time were how to stay sane during a pandemic, you know, how to be isolated without losing your mind. And, you know, what's funny is when they lifted the whole shutdown thing, I went to a physical therapist and in two quick visits, she fixed me. And I was in pain for weeks and weeks that was unbearable. And, you know, it, it, it hindered a lot of things. Pastoring, when nearly a third of your Sunday services for the year, you're in shutdown, it's not an easy thing. I've heard some pastors quit. You know, they just thought, I can't do this anymore. And then I read, you know, these church counseling people, you know, these people that give advice to church, go, up your online game. And I'm like, we don't even have an online game. How can we up it? You know, we're still believing for some cameras. You know, I remember when we did the build out and Brian, our sound guy said, don't you want cameras and, and software to do, you know, online streaming? And we're like, we don't need that. Little did we know we needed that. Even today, we've got, what, half our people are gone. Some families, because they have older members, that they're, they're really doing a strict quarantine. Some people, because it's near Christmas and they're going to travel to their older member families, and they don't want to risk being exposed to anyone. We're older than most, Easy's older than anybody in here, and we were just actually elated when we did get COVID. He was asymptomatic, and I just had a little cough. And so we were like, finally, I can quit Cloroxing. I can quit wiping everything down. I can go someplace. And so it was sort of a relief. But soon we will get back to in-person prayer meetings. And soon we will get back to our connect meetings. And soon we will get back to the things that we actually have loved. And you know, somebody said, well, I was really successful, you know, during the pandemic. And I'm like, wait, how can you be successful when everything around you seems like it's falling apart and everything that's normal to you, you can't do? I read some headlines yesterday and right next to each other, I read two of the weirdest headlines that would be so close. And one said, COVID-19 is now at 2,000 deaths per day in the U.S. And I know, you know, we might like argue with that total. But right alongside it, it said the Mandalorian just fixed a weird problem for the Star Wars movies. And I'm like, okay. And Dan told me, don't say another word lest, I, lest it be a spoiler. So for all you young ones. And so some people felt like they had prosperity even during the pandemic, like things went well for them. Some people felt like they had peace even during the pandemic. And some people were just perturbed all during the pandemic. But there's this post on Facebook, and last December, we wouldn't have even, we'd have thought, huh? What, what does this mean? But today, it makes sense for us all. And a, a professor of theology wrote it, a worship leader then shared it, and one of our members then put it on her page, and so I'm reading it today. And it says, government is not God. Men are not women. Identity is not self-created. Church is not optional. Pastors are not entertainers. Justice is not Marxist. Riots are not righteous. Reality is not foundationless. Truth is not fluid. And Christ is not dethroned. Okay? So those are words to live by. Words to live by. Because it has been a strange year. It's been hard to successfully do anything with all the peripheral issues we've been having to deal with. 
And when I had that thought, it's been hard to be successful at doing anything because of all these peripheral issues we've been dealing with, God stopped me. And it's like he asked, he goes, wait, what is the definition of success that you have given people for decades? And I'm like, oops. And sometimes we need to practice what we preach. And some of you might be able to quote it. Success is knowing the will of God for your life and doing it fully. Knowing the will of God for your life and doing it fully. It doesn't have a lot to do with your net worth or your bank account or how many kids you have or whether you're married or single. It's knowing the will of God for your life and doing it fully. What does the Bible say about success? Well, what's interesting is that the whole Bible in its entirety reveals to us how to actually live out an abundant and successful life. But an interesting fact is this. The creator of the universe used more than 40 men, from peasants to fishermen to tax collectors to physicians to kings, over a 1,500-year period to complete the Bible. They used a total of 773,692 words. 773,692 words. But in the King James Version, the word success you will find only one time. Only one time. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You got to speak the word, talk the word. But you shall meditate in it day and night. Now, meditate has the connotation of a cow chewing its cud. You know, gross as the picture is, they, they sort of regurgitate a bit of their uh, food and chew it again and swallow it, and then a little bit more comes up, and then they chew it again and swallow it until it becomes part of them, and it's very easily digestible, sort of like the word being made flesh in us. And so it has that connotation. And so you shall meditate in it day and night, not just quickly read it a.m. and p.m., that you may observe to do all that is written in it for then. See, if you do all that, if it doesn't depart out of your mouth, if you meditate on it, if you do it, then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. The one and only time that word is in the King James Version. So there's not really a plan or a program or any seminar that can compare to living out the word of God just on a daily basis, using the ways of God. See, some people like to use the word of God, but not the ways of God, and they can't be separated. And so that is how we walk in true success. Apart from God's word, there is no true spiritual success. And there are no steps to success. See, give me the steps. Can it be a ladder and I climb on it? Where, where am I? I'm on step three. Poor people down on step one. Ooh, four more steps and I'm there. You're never there. It's a daily walking out. It's a, daily, it's a relationship. It's a process. There's no ladder-like formula. But if we allow God to hone us, to refine us, to fill us, to smooth us, and on and on, until we look like we're supposed to, we will be shaped like clay in the hands of a very skilled potter. Now, I want to call this success in every season. In every season. See, this season has not been a season I like. <laughs> it seems like it's just drug on. <laughs> it's the longest season. When's it going to be over? But years and years ago, in the 90s, the mid to late 90s, 
we trained up some leaders in Generation Jesus, uh, young people ministry. They did outreach and stadium events. And we sort of have like a, a revival in this area for about three and a half years. And hundreds and hundreds of young people came in and were trained up to be leaders. And others got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And to this day, we meet people who go, I remember you from Generation Jesus to some of our leaders and to some of us. And I had these eight standards, I call them, that you had to be living in to be on our leadership team. But God reminded me that these eight S words, all beginning with S, are really simple assessments that can keep us standing during stressful times. See, sometimes when it gets hard, I go back to basics. I go back to I remember my first love. I began to sing songs in my heart. You know how Sabata talked about how song will just resonate? I began to sing some of the songs that I sang when I first got saved. They were comforting during this time of tribulation. But, you know, then again, we need to get toughened up because if we think this is tribulation, what's coming next? What's coming next? And we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to go through these eight words. They all begin with S. It's very simple. But, you know, sometimes we need to get back to the basics. We need to assess ourselves, not judge ourselves, not condemn ourselves, but just go back to like, okay, God, what do I need to pull back in? What do I need to hold on to? What do I need to remember so that I can have success no matter what comes my way? Number one, saved. Are you saved? One time I preached a sermon, how saved are you? I saw people's eyes, you know, that day in the, in the sanctuary look like, oh my God, is she a heretic? Are we going to have to like pull her down off that platform? But how saved are you? Like what? Saved in the sense of the, the Greek word sozo, made whole, delivered, healed, preserved, forgiven, accepted. See, I am saved immediately in my spirit. Uh, my spirit is regenerated. Uh, all, all things pass away. All things become new. I'm a new creature in Christ when I accept Jesus. That's my spirit. My soul is saved progressively. And you go, that can't be true. Well, look at the person next to you. Are they perfect? Like your husband, your wife, did they totally change overnight? All their weaknesses fell away when they prayed the prayer? No, neither did yours. And so there's a, a, a process, a transformation that happens. And then really full salvation, now I don't mean healing, but full salvation for the body to become the glorious body is future. So there's one that's instant, there's one that's progressive, and there's one that's future. So how saved are you? And we're going to talk about the soul. See, the Bible says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. And there are cuts that have to be made so that some things can come out and some things can go in. And sometimes the word is like a sword and you will get convicted and you'll know what needs to come out. Or sometimes the Holy Spirit, just in his graciousness, does heart surgery on you and he makes the cut so that what's damaged in you can come out so that he can pour in the oil and, and the balm into your soul. And so, you know, one time somebody said in Easy's early years of knowing the Lord, they go, Easy found God. And that person said, I didn't know God was lost. And, see, <laughs> and so, see, God found us, and he accepted us just like we were in our sins, in our mess, messed up thinking, ideas that weren't right, you know, thinking that didn't, we didn't even know. I didn't know a verse in the Bible. They, they said, turn to Malachi, and I mean, I didn't even know what they were talking about. It was like a foreign language when I went to my first Bible study. See, not knowing anything, but knowing this felt true, and I wanted to line my heart up with what I was hearing, and that simple place that I was at as a 20-something-year-old girl worked for God. I didn't have to have it all together. I didn't have to know it all. I just had to want him, and that worked, and so our spirit is born again, regenerated at the new birth. The soul is saved progressively, but wholeness 
must continually be working in us. And see, sometimes under pressure, what's in us comes out. What's in us shows up. And so during the pressure of the pandemic, some of us have seen some sides of us that we go, okay, God, can you please help us work on that? (laughs) And so there must be an increase in wholeness, an increase in the healing of the wounded areas, damaged thinking restored, and a renewing of the mind that keeps taking place. How saved are you? Number two, we must be spirit-filled. That was a qualification for my leaders. Now, on October 23rd in 1976, in my kitchen, all by myself, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so I could go, I'm spirit-filled, but you know, sometimes Hebrews talks about take earnest heed to the things you have heard, lest you let them slip away. One translation says, lest you let them leak out like a vessel with holes. And so some days I can go, I'm spirit-filled, and they can go, really? (laughs) What spirit? And so, you know, there are areas of our life where the Holy Spirit is not taking over. And we need to continually be filled. See, it's not we remember back to a testimony from 44 years ago and go, good, I'm done. (laughs) No, we continually be filled so that the the old things are really passing away and all things are becoming new from, from a soulish standpoint so that the Holy Spirit is taking over and our soul man is no longer clamoring for attention. And so... I must constantly recharge. I must constantly be getting back in touch with the power source. I need to have some spark or some life to give away to others. Or there's no spirit to fill anybody else with because I don't have enough to pour out. So there's receiving the Holy Spirit. There's continually being filled and refilled lest I become dry. And then there's no room for envy or greed or venom or vengeance or bitterness or resentment. See, if I'm really filled, there's no room left. And so let God keep filling you. you, How saved are you? And how full are you? Number three, servant-hearted. That was a leadership qualification. It still is today. Servant-hearted. Servants do the work. They don't think that they're above the nitty-gritty, down-and-dirty chores that come with ministry. Uh, They're quick to be helpful. In the world, it's one way. You know, as you progress, you know, other, the, the little people do the work. Okay, somebody said, you know, I I didn't want to really have to work at a job. I wanted to be in ministry. And I go, well, (laughs) ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. Can you come here when Dan and Alicia are cleaning the bathrooms and mopping the kids' room? Are you here when people, after communion, people drop grape juice everywhere and we were scrubbing up spots? Are you here when they're decorating the trees? Thank you, uh, Ariana. Are you here for fluffing? The trees would look pathetic, but now they look powerful and fluffy. And, uh, <laughs> and see, there, ministry is work. It's work to, to, to come against people's thinking that's so anti-God. It's work to, to keep up a facility that you can invite people to experience the presence of God. It's work for the band to get here an hour to an hour and a half early every Sunday and one more hour during the week at night to practice their music so that you can come into the presence of God. It's work. And so you must be servant-hearted. Are you conscious of the needs of others? See, that's what a servant does. Somebody waits on me at my table. They notice the table. What do I need? Do we need water? Do we need silverware? Ooh, is there that napkin get dirty? Do we need to know? Are you conscious of the needs of others around you? Physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. Philippians 2.7, Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant. So we call it, we equip the saints for the what? The work of the ministry, the work. 
And so just like John said, it's in my notes, who is faithful in the little things will be made faithful over much. You know, we've laughed over the years that there are people who will show up for every social event, but they just can't make it to service. You know, they'll show up for every social event, but they can't make it on helps day. And see, that, what, what's your focus? What are you really after? Are you servant-hearted? Number four, submissive, submissive. Someone who's submissive will yield to authority, but with a right heart attitude. I know people who yield with clenched fist. I know people who yield, but man, the look in their eyes is not good. And see, it's easy to yield when you agree with somebody. Somebody goes, oh, it's so easy to submit to you, Lena. I just agree with everything you do. But what about when they don't? See, what about when they don't? That's when real submission comes into play. And then it's not just submitting to authority. It's like, will you submit to God? Will you submit to the things God has spoken over you? Some go, I just, I'd have a lot of trouble resisting the devil. And I go, well, I haven't seen you have a lot of trouble resisting God. <laughs> you know, So use that resist in the right direction. And so... Don't resist correction. Don't resist God. Get your heart adjusted so that you can have a submissive attitude, yield. You know, Alan said at a four-way stop sign in Houston, nobody knows how to yield. Sometimes we need to just learn how to yield in our hearts. Number five, sanctified. Now, as sanctified connotes to you or it conjures up images of like women with their hair in buns and no makeup, um, you know, I just call that not looking good. One time we were in a hurricane and there was no electricity and the guys and girls were, uh, you know, we'd all be at our homes, sleep, and then go to one house that actually had electricity and it was Sabata's home. And so during the day and remember in the evening, we'd go over there and all eat together. But we were coming from houses with no electricity. So girls didn't blow dry their hair. They didn't put on makeup. And the guy goes, well, I didn't know they looked like that. But anyway, <laughs> so... So, no, it's not about not wearing makeup. It's not about how long my dress is, but I still care about modesty. You know, it's not about how high you're, it's not about if you don't have tattoos. It's not about if you don't have earrings, no matter whether you're a guy or a girl. See, that's not sanctification. Sanctified, it, it means we're justified immediately in Christ when we receive him, but we're sanctified progressively. It springs from the inward. People make such a big deal of outward. Now, I know sometimes outward can be representative of inward, okay? There are people who dress a certain way because of what's going on inside them. But usually what we care about is the inward, and the outward will later take care of itself. See, people have come in here in short shorts, and they're brand new. I don't say a word. I, don't, I want them here. God will change that later. Let him just deal with the inward first. The outward will follow. And so sanctified is about inward things. Conviction of God is an inward voice. And once you really hear from him, it's not behavioral modification anymore. It's real. It's sanctification. It's transformation. Uh, sanctification is fleeing from sin of any kind, allowing God to shine his light even brighter on the smallest issues. And as you progressively get closer to the light, things you didn't see before show up. When y'all had the party that time, y'all turned out all the lights, and which y'all put in colored light bulbs so that we couldn't see that they hadn't vacuumed, so that we couldn't see there were stains on the floor. And you know, <laughs> that's a party tip for any of you. <laughs> but there were three bachelors. It worked for them. But see, the closer you get to the light and the brighter the light is, the more you can see stuff. <laughs> and so you'll go, ooh, I wasn't convicted about this three years ago, but now I really am. That's good. See, that's a good thing. 
what's modest? You know, in Africa, what's modest is not the same as what's modest in the U.S., <laughs> in an African tribe. See, what's holy and what's not holy? It stems from the inward. It might be based on a culture, but there's an understanding innately by those with a sincere spiritual heart. Number six, sold out. Sold out. Man, I've been seeing sold out more than I ever have in all my life. Out of stock, sold out. Formula 409, one of my, I know some of you are natural, you know, you all the, but I'm old and I don't mind chemicals. I, I've made it this far with chemicals. I can keep it on. I can keep making it. So I'm looking for Formula 409, okay? I'm like, it's, it's like, you know, you can get it on sale for $2.29, you know, your 32 ounces. I start looking online. It's like $46 on eBay. I'm like, what? My, $46 for Formula? We, we, we clean the floors with the Formula 409. Why, why can't I get it? And so Alan started searching. We searched for months. And the other day, Alan found a 128-ounce refill of Formula 409. I was never so excited in my life. You thought somebody gave me a Mercedes, you know, like, 409, Alan, get me some. Yes, please. And it was regular price. And then the next day, we went online, and it was, still, it was sold out. He must have bought them all. But what is sold out? It means there's none left. If you're sold out to God, there's nothing left of you. There's nothing left of you. He has all of me. There's none left. See, I'm not reserving. I'm not holding back. I'm not saying, no, you can't come in this door. I'm not saying, I'll give you this much of me, but I draw the line here. There's no boundaries with him. He has all of me, and I will do whatever it takes. I will say yes every time. Even if it's not what I had in mind, I will say yes. See, if he says jump, I'll go how high? It's not like where, how, you know, what's going to be there. It doesn't work that way all the time with God. There's no limits if I'm sold out on how far I will go for God. Now, sold out and sell out are two different things. There are the people who try to get us to sell out as pastors. You know, if y'all keep ministering to those young kids, you know, some of us with the money are going to have to leave. And easy goes, that's a shame, but... Bless you wherever you go. <laughs> you know, you see, people want to be uh, applauded. People want to be catered to. But see, sometimes we just have to do what God is saying. We have to do what God is saying. And it might cost you, or it might look like it's going to cost you, but nothing that's obedient really costs you in the end. And so you can't sell out to people's demands. You can't spell, sell out to complaints. There was somebody that thought we should teach more of the Old Testament. There was somebody that thought we should teach more of the New Testament. There was somebody that thought we should teach less of the Word. There was somebody that thought we should teach more of the Word. There was somebody that thought we ought to have more songs and somebody who thought we ought to have less songs. But see, at some point, we just got to do what Jesus says. I can't sell out to public opinion. It doesn't mean I don't care about people or try to meet their needs or try to balance things out. But you cannot sell out uh, because really, if you're going to sell out, my question is, what's your price? See, what you're going to sell out for? We sold our home, the only home we had, the only asset we have. When Easy was 60 years old to start the church and go into ministry, and we put all our money in it, we did that. We're, we're not going to let somebody buy us now. So stay sold out. Don't be a sellout. On Facebook, I saw this. Did you see it? Will you still serve God when Christianity becomes a felony? I've told Alan on many occasions, I go, get some bail money ready because one day <laughs> you might have to come get me out of jail. Because if they say we can't do this, I'll probably be the first one doing it. So will you serve God when Christianity becomes a felony? And you're like, oh, that's not going to happen here. We better pray. <laughs> we better stand for some things. 
But what if you're in another country where it already is? What if you're there where it already is? <laughs> See, what will you do? Number seven, selfless. For many, many years, I have tried to live by a scripture that's in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. And it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, at times, because I've done this, I've gotten cheated, and I've gotten deceived, and I've gotten rooked. And maybe I needed a, a little more wisdom in an area or two, or a little more discernment. But I still don't regret looking out for the interest of others instead of just looking out for me. Are you selfish is my question. Are you selfish with your money? Are you selfish with your time? Are you selfish with your attention? See, are you selfish? If you're not tithing, you are selfish. If you are not willing to pray with somebody who's in need because you have plans, you are selfish. Now, I've noticed this, that nobody ever has a problem on a Friday night. Okay, nobody ever calls for counseling on a Friday night because they have plans. And so I started to learn, huh, I can choose when I counsel and when I don't. When I drop everything in my life and cancel everything for my family for somebody's crisis because they've had five crises so far in the last four months, and it's never on a Friday night. And so I sort of noticed that. And so, <laughs> so I don't mean you have to be a doormat. I don't mean you get walked all over by selfish people because selfless people tend to attract selfish people. Selfless people tend to attract selfish people. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want more. I want more. And so that's where discernment comes in. And you can't feel guilty because you've drawn a boundary that's actually very Christ-like. Jesus didn't put up with everything. He, he drew a line in the sand. And sometimes we need to also. Okay? But we don't want to be selfish. See, it's about being led, not just being selfish. And so is it always about you? Can you get over yourself enough to tend to somebody else. Number eight, we're finishing up, a soldier mentality. Now, I know that we are the flock of the Lord. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I know that when we get wounded and tired, he draws us to himself and he loves us and he pours in the oil and the wine and he restores our soul. I get it. We're his sheep and we want to be loved and we want to know that his love is secure and we have a place to run to. But sometimes... See, it's about knowing what to do when the sons of Issachar knew the times. We got to know that we're not the sheep, we're the soldier. <laughs> and we got to know to put on our combat boots and there's a war to be won. And we better get in the fray or we're going to get trampled over. And so we got to know when to do what. One time, Jess, I know you probably don't even remember it. You taught on the fruit of the spirit to the women's group. It was beautiful. But one of the, the sentences she said about the fruit of the spirit was that I think we need weapons of warfare, women who can powerfully pray, defeat the enemy, know their authority. See, you have to have the fruit of the Spirit to even do that, to even fight right, to know how to fight right. And so a soldier, we must be able to endure hardship. The Bible says that. See, it's not always going to be easy, but it's not always going to be hard. And soldiers are disciplined. They have self-control. They're diligent. They have faithfulness. They're dedicated. They know how to take orders. They learn how to deal with their fears. And it's sort of like what Sabata said last week. You know, they're warriors who can worship. He talked about from worship to warship. See, we need to be warriors who also worship. See, we, know, we need to know, be able to love, but we need to be able to fight the enemy when he's coming on our turf and our territory. 
And so some people shy away from anything that stretches them. You'll never get the new wine that way. See, you're going to be stretched. You're going to have to stretch for the days that are coming. You're going to have to be stronger. You know, my husband is very much a man's man. He lettered in every sport in high school. You know, he, when, he, when, when he was 44, he won the triathlon thing in our, in our whole subdivision and neighborhood. You know, then he had a men's meeting, you know, for 16 years. And so he's, he's, there's nothing wimpy about him, but when I want to make him do something that he doesn't want to do or make him mad, I'll go, what are you going to be, a wimp? And so, <laughs> so it's my little go-to word. <laughs> and, but see, wimps, nobody likes the connotation of that. Not for a man, not for a woman. Sometimes I've said to some guys, I go, I'm more of a man than you are, and I'm a woman. Come on, man up. And see, sometimes in the spirit, we need to man up. We need to, come on, get our combat boots on and go, we can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He trains my, what, hands for war and my fingers for battle, or do I have it backwards? But there's some fighting times. See, and we can't just be all passive and hope it's going to work out all right. You know, what will be will be. No, sometimes what will be is what we fight for. And so we don't want to hide behind something or somebody. We don't want to make excuses. We don't want to, uh, like, be afraid of hard truth. We don't always expect it to be easy. Somebody said, well, you know, if it's God, it'll be easy. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Which God are you serving? Okay. And, you know, some people will only serve God as long as it's easy. And then if it gets hard, they're out. I want to go ahead and close. I'm not going to make it too much harder on you. You know, do, how many of you remember David Wilkerson, or that name is even familiar to you? David Wilkerson, he's been uh, in heaven for a long time now. He was the pastor of Times Square Church in New York for many years. He founded Teen Challenge, did many things, wrote a prophetic, you know, wrote prophetic articles monthly for decades. And um, Nikki Cruz was one of the men that he got saved. Nikki Cruz was in drugs and addiction and... Um, David Wilkerson was an elder of the faith and a prophetic voice, and so he got Nikki Cruz saved, and so he asked a young Gen X, well, it wouldn't have been Gen X back then, but he asked a young preacher uh, that was a friend of Nikki Cruz, a godly young minister, he said, what is the number one problem among your peers? Now, this is decades ago. What is the number one problem among your peers? And the young man, the young minister said, the pressure to be successful. The pressure to be successful. And David Wilkerson was sort of astonished. And he reflected that he knew the drive for success is common in secular society, but was it now plaguing the church in ministry? As he talked to the young man, he found out that the young minister felt compelled to produce quick results, large crowds, overnight growth. Older ministers, he found out, started doubting themselves when the young men were producing these instant results. Church growth seminars started encouraging seeker-friendly Happy Meal services. The Holy Ghost can scare people off, they said. One church growth expert boldly proclaimed, you can't grow if all you offer is Jesus. You can't grow if all you offer is Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, I have no other ambition but that I might win Christ. By today's standards of success, Paul was a total failure. 
He didn't construct a large building. His preaching offended large numbers of his hearers. His methods were frowned upon by other leaders. He was even stoned, but his heart was surrendered. And he was all the S words that I just talked to you about. He was saved and allowed himself to continually be transformed. He was spirit-filled, and no matter what you threw his way, he came to the Lord and became refilled. He was servant-hearted. He wasn't afraid to do the work when he had to make tents on the side, even while he ministered. He was submissive to everything that God said, and even to the high priest, when he found out his place of authority, he spoke to him in a different tone. He allowed himself to be sanctified over the course of his life. He was certainly sold out. He sold everything he had to follow Christ. He was selfless, and he had a soldier mentality. Spiritual success is letting God work in you the way he wants to so that the purposes he intends for you can be fully fulfilled. You can be successful if you do these things in every season, even in a year like 2020. Even in a year like 2020. Stand to your feet with me.